Good morning. Good morning to our children joining us via Zoom. I think we have two, is that right? Somebody over in the other corner, yeah. I can't see. Hi. Having a hard time hearing you, but I, I get what you're saying. So this morning, I want to share a book with you that's one of my favorites that I've shared with other kids during the children's sermon time, and they've really appreciated it. So I thought I would read it for you today. It's kind of one that goes with me to the different churches I, I travel and preach for. It's by Grace Byers. I am enough. Can I get a head nod if you've seen this book before? Yeah. No. no. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Well, you're about to. Let's see. All right. I am enough. Like the sun, I'm here to shine. Like the voice, I'm here to sing. Like the bird, I'm here to fly and soar high over everything. Like the trees, I'm here to grow. Like the mountains, here to stand. Like time, I'm here to be and be everything I can. Like the champ, I'm here to fight. Like the heart, I'm here to love. Like a ladder here to climb and like the air to rise above. Like the wind, I'm here to push. Like a rope, I'm here to pull. Like the rain, I'm here to pour and drip and fall until I'm full. I hope you can see the pictures as I hold them for you. Perfect. Good. Got a thumbs up. Like the moon, I'm here to dream. Like the student, here to learn. Like the water, here to swell. Like the fire, here to burn. Like the winner, I'm here to win. And if I don't get up again, I know that I may sometimes cry, but even then, I'm here to try. I'm not meant to be like you. You're not meant to be like me. Sometimes we will get, it, get along and sometimes we will disagree. I know that we don't look the same, our skin, our eyes, our hair, our frame. But that does not dictate our worth. We both have places here on earth. And in the end, we are right here to live a life of love, not fear. To help each other when it's tough to stay together, and you probably can guess, so if you can, go ahead and say it with me. I am enough. So may you remember today that you are enough each and every day. Amen? Amen. 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 Let us pause for a moment of, just have a moment of quiet prayer before we go into the sermon.
Be here with us now, Lord God. We look to you. Amen. Last week's sermon title was Keep Going in Peace. We looked at Luke's telling of how to keep promoting the kingdom of God, even in the hard times. This week, our sermon title is Sometimes It's Tough to Love. Do it anyways. Today, we will look at how Luke's gospel goes on after the 72 have returned to Jesus to give an example of the kingdom of God in active love. When I was very young, I attended a Presbyterian church. In fact, that was the church I was later baptized and confirmed in. But when I was very little and excited to be part of a church new to me, I asked if I could sing a song solo for the church service. The caring pastor, whose good name happened to be Charlie Brown, gave the okay. I didn't have a song picked out. I just wanted to sing for them. So I opened the hymnal and looked through some songs. I landed on, I love to tell the story. Have any of you heard of it? I love to tell the story. Love it, exactly. Yes, I love to tell the story. I, I didn't know the song yet. I just felt like I wanted to be up in front and share a message. I guess that traveled with me later in life. So I got up as a little kid. I must have been just like second grade. And I sang those words, that refrain. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The lyricist Catherine Hankey wrote two different poems while very ill and recovering that were used later to be adapted into this song. This song came to mind for me while studying this week's scripture, as it is an old, old story to so, so many. Maybe you are someone this morning who really knows this story. You're super familiar with what is called the greatest commandment and the good Samaritan. Or perhaps you're someone hearing this story, especially in its entirety, for the first time. You've probably heard the term Good Samaritan in larger society, and maybe even about a greatest commandment, but not in this way read together. No matter where you are at, I'd like to invite you to dust off the cobwebs from your eyes, per se, sit up a little straighter to perk up your ears for hearing in a new way this morning, a new way that welcomes you to tell the old story once or for the first time. Sometime before the lawyer in today's text asked Jesus his question, Jesus was passing through a village of the Samaritans with his disciples. Samaria was in the Northern Kingdom of Israel, said to be known for cult worship like that of Baal. The Jews and the Samaritans by Jesus' time had an ongoing ethnic hatred for one another. They had beef with one another, but their beef was over what historic site was appropriate 
for worship. Arguing over if it was to be where the Samaritans were or in Jerusalem. When Jesus and his disciples began passing through the village in Samaria, they were not accepted. The disciples are angry about this and ask Jesus if they should consume the Samaritans with fire. Jesus rebukes them for offering to harm the Samaritans and they continue on their way. This is important to keep in mind as Jesus is questioned by the lawyer, which more accurately translated for us today would be an expert in the Torah. So not like the lawyers in our U.S. courts today, but an expert in Jewish faith writings of their time. We don't really know where he came from, if he was a casual observer of Jesus. What is curious is he mentioned, he is mentioned moving right from the story of the 72 sent out in mission that we heard last week. And he is heard today as he stands up and asks Jesus his question, like he was there the whole time. Could he have been following Jesus? Maybe one of the 72? It's an interesting question to consider for how he got there and what his intent could be in questioning Jesus at all. He stands up and asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? As author and pastor Mark Davis describes it, it is not just about ensuring that one gets to heaven and not hell. It is the whole matter and purpose of life itself. This is a what is the meaning of life or what is the chief end of humanity sort of question. The question goes beyond a one-time action for eternal promise as the answer shows. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Ongoing, continually, not one time love God, love neighbor, love self, always as a way of life. On the surface, it sounds simple enough. It's not. To many people, to too many people hardly love themselves at all, which shows in how they live their lives. We know these type of people the ones who put themselves down a lot, or those who continually make choices that hurt themselves in body or spirit. Then there are people who obviously don't love their neighbors, those who commit violence against others, war, neglect, hate. So if too many people don't love themselves and they don't love their neighbor, how will they love God? The greatest commandment comes full circle with the next question from the Torah expert. Who is my neighbor? A man is traveling. He encounters most travelers' worst fear, being attacked, robbed, and left for dead. First, a priest passes him by, then a Levite. It wasn't until a Samaritan looks upon the man with compassion that the man is helped. 
No, everyone else could not be bothered. It wasn't their problem. It took a Samaritan, someone from the same area Jesus was just rejected from, who stops, treats the wounds, takes the man for help, and leaves instructions to have all the man's needs fulfilled because the Samaritan intends to return and pay any debt he accrues while nursing back to full health. Now let's take a moment to imagine, hypothetically, what if this man traveling, beat and robbed, left for dead? What if it had been one of the disciples who experienced recent rejection in the Samaritan village? As they looked up and saw who was cleaning their wounds, were they shocked? Hey, aren't you one of those people? They must have been thinking this. Then, as he is taken for help, did he think and wonder, I know what type of person this is, so why are they helping me? How many times have people who've been helped in the world thought, I know what kind of person you are. Why are you helping me? When hearing the story of the Samaritan, it's easiest to jump into the role as the helper, to place ourselves in the shoes of the helper. We want to say, I would be the good Samaritan. I want to keep walking. This role seems to land on ears most easiest. What happens when we reverse the roles to also see ourselves in the eyes of the one attacked? What do we see then? I struggled with this story this week. I'll admit it. Because when we looked, when I looked at it honestly, openly, with fresh eyes, it forced me to confront my own biases from within. Reading this story should force us to confront our own biases from within. The biases we have about helping those we don't think are worthy and the ability to take help from someone we despise. This story invites us into an opportunity to see from two angles, from the one being attacked and the one doing the helping. The Deaconess community of the ELCA shared these words for the story of the Samaritan in the form of a prayer. Dear Jesus, you teach us in your parable that there are two kinds of people, those who bend down to help and those who look the other way. Which kind of people will we be? We say, yes, Lord, I will love you and love my neighbor. But then we ask, is the migrant my neighbor? Are people in poverty my neighbors? Are victims of war my neighbors? Are people who face racism my neighbors? Are people who are disabled or elderly my neighbors? You remind us, yes, all of us are neighbors. Show us how to love. Help us to persevere in love. 
Help us to restore dignity to the suffering. Help us to build a society based not on exclusion, but on community. Amen. The Torah expert outwardly asked who is who his neighbor was, while inwardly his true question was who is not my neighbor, but rather who not who is my neighbor, but rather who is not my neighbor. Yes, that is the question inside that he was trying to spit out, as I just did. Who is not my neighbor? Who could he get away with passing by? Who was not worthy of help? Who can I be of assistance to that will get me a pass with God? And who can I just leave behind? Don't we do that? Don't we have those lists of people we think God would say, yep, help them. They are worthy. Nope, don't help them. We don't like them. To tell the old story, like in the song, the old, old story of Jesus and his love, we must ask not only about who our neighbor is, we must also ask, how do I love well? When we find the courage to finally, fully love ourselves and to love others, by setting aside our own bias and hate, even for ourselves, through loving God most fully, then, then we can not only love well, we can receive love well in return. May we ponder this old story on this morning. In the name of the creator and the redeemer and the sustainer. Amen.